Welcome to the Portion Podcast, a weekly discussion of the Torah portion of the week. I'm your host, Aaron Roller, here with my co-host, Rabbi Jonathan Bienenfeld. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. It's uh it was nice. Had the it's President's Day. Had the day off today. Yeah. Yeah. My my youngest uh heard it was that he didn't have school because it was President's Day. He said, Oh, we get presents? Uh-huh. And what did you tell him? I said, It's not presents day, it's president's day. Wow. You should really you should really make sure that you don't keep swallowing syllables when you talk, I guess. As, especially it's as I'm making stay. Especially as I'm making an audio recording right now. Right. Right. Somebody asked me today, was very confused, didn't really know what President's Day was about, and said, So are are we celebrating all the presidents? And I said, No, we couldn't be selling celebrating all the presidents, because then like only half the country would be willing to celebrate any President's Day, any any given term. Like every four years you'd have a different half of the country that would or wouldn't be willing to celebrate. I would like to think that that's not true, but uh, the I don't times know. we're living in. I don't, know. Uh, I don't know. It's looking like it might be true. <laughs> it, it is looking. But like at it least might be true. hopefully we could, we all. I mean, do we all agree at this point on Washington and Lincoln? Like, are they? I just saw. What I don't about know. In the South. I don't know. I saw an article this morning that was like, I don't know. It was uh, trying to take apart some book that was critical of Washington and the way he treated his slaves. And I listen. I don't know. I just think that like. We've got to take take people for the time that they lived in. I think uh, that is, yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's obviously a balance. You have to take people for the time that they they live in without necessarily giving you know a free pass. But I I think I think that we and I think it's so relevant for the for for, for learning Torah that like you know people it, it we have this we have this and we have this in the Torah and I I would argue the stakes are are higher when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Torah that like. Saying anything critical about anybody is is like heretical when in fact there's like when you put people on a pedestal that they can't for like number one when you put someone on a pedestal so that nothing bad can be said about them then I think it's bad education in the sense that as soon as you notice something negative as soon as someone notices something negative then they just go crashing off the pedestal and it just creates the the wrong the wrong dynamic and it means that we'll we'll effectively never have heroes. You right because everybody is going to be yeah yeah no it's it's absolutely true so I um did I did I mention I went to the YU book sale last week on the show I don't recall well anyway I, I, let's try to I'm spend reading, some time on that no well, I'm I'm reading uh, Synagogue by David Bashevkin and um you know he, he, there's this book all about sin and the ideas of sin in Judaism the idea that we don't we don't talk about sins enough uh you know for a religion that has a lot of you know talks is about he pro sin or con where does he stand on well, sin? Well, here's the point. He he quotes this study that was done in, was uh, about how children are taught about their family history, mm-hmm. and that there are either like there's like a triumphalist kind of narrative that you say our family, you know, we came over from the old country with nothing and we built up, and now we're you know now now we're now we're successful, uh, and then there's you know kind of looking back wistfully saying we had everything and then we lost it but that the middle way of like things were sometimes things were good and this one failed and this one you know went out of business and this one got a degree and started a business and this one you know like it, it sort of shows the the oscillations that that children who had that kind of a uh, sense of their own family history were more prepared for success that they were 
I don't remember what the extent of the study was, if they were psychologically healthier or whatever it was. But the point is like having a realistic view where you see that there's there's good and there's bad and everything, and yet and yet you persist. I mean, he draws that lesson out towards uh, towards the Torah, and I think it's absolutely makes a lot of sense. Cor- it makes a lot of sense. Well, but but other times you want to just you know, and but but there's this there's this uh, desire to to say like oh they were perfect everything was great but but i think if we can't acknowledge the you know going back to the presidents if we can't acknowledge that they were products of their time that they were flawed individuals and it's like then then it's you know then it's just for children you know well it also means that every time that that if i fail i'm out of the running as opposed to to, Ooh, to yeah. being able to maintain that that degree of resiliency that that even if i've failed i'm still able to pick myself up and dust myself off and kind of get back on the horse i oh. think there's a difference when it comes to i'm not talking about the presidents anymore but when it comes to looking back at the at the avos and you know the great the, like the towering figures of of tanakh and the talmud that you know we there's it, it's this delicate balance between recognizing on the one hand that these were just extraordinary individuals and that means that their sins were also extraordinary meaning the kinds of things that we may take for granted i i think you have to be very careful when it comes to inserting our own foibles into let's say like the biblical narrative it's it's clear that they weren't perfect it's clear that they are that there are punishments that are received at different times but to you know to, like to assume that uh I don't, like my lush and hara is Miriam's lush and hara, and my self doubt is Moshe Rabbeinu's self doubt, and right. my uh, and my um, you know uh, domestic strife is, uh, is 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 Avraham's domestic strife. I think is 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 completely unfair. Right. But we have to well, recognize it's not unfair. That were... It's like like these people are playing in the majors. Exactly right. Exactly right. Right. Exactly right. What is it? What it what it means when I strike out at at t-ball. Yes, it can happen. <laughs> I strike out a tee ball. You know, it's very different than when you uh, when you, when you strike out when you're like you said when you're when you're in the majors. It's a totally I, I like that muscle. It's a great muscle. So let's uh, let's jump to the parsha this week, Parshat Mishpatim. I think this has so much to do with what we're talking about. Uh, really? Because I was going to say listeners are might be getting the sense that we almost don't want to talk about this week. No, parsha. I think it has so much to do with what we're talking about in the sense that I think that the that Parshat Mishpatim shows that the bar is really set so high. And that um, and that sin is almost inevitable because of the nature of of what Judaism is as a religion. That it it's not just this Sinaitic kind of moment. It's not just this this uh, huge flash of of religion and of revelation. And there are these these specific moments in time and in history when we're meant to rendezvous with God. And that's the be all and end all of what of what Judaism is. There are holidays and there are celebrations and there are these these momentous occasions, but you turn the page and the next thing you know, you're in Parshas Mishpatim and lo and behold, every single interaction, every business transaction, every social interaction, every, every uh, moment in life is an opportunity to be able to to connect with God, to draw godliness and draw religion into our lives that we really need to sort of get a handle on what it's going to mean to not always succeed because it, it's so frequent, it's so constant. We are we are called, we are called to 
to religious observance and dedication at every single moment of our lives. So we we can't become too hung up. I mean, sin is sin. We we need to process and we need to we need to take it seriously. If you don't take it seriously, then there's no such thing as tshuva. There's no such thing as repentance. But you can't dwell on it to the degree that you really get become stymied in your growth and you just stumble and can never pick yourself up because we're we're moving so quickly. There's it's it's so fast. There's so many opportunities at every single moment for religious observance and therefore for religious failure that we sort of have to grapple with the reality that what happens when we fail because it's almost an inevitability. I think we should back it up a second though and talk about what Parshat Mishpatim is. Let's do it. Because it, in many ways, it presents this tremendous contrast between last week's Parsha, number one. Huge. And also almost like a a huge... I don't even know what you'd call it, like a, a shift, a huge shift in the biblical narrative that all of a sudden sure. we are, now we're in like halacha world. <laughs> right. And we have it. No, we really had this been. a little bit. We had this a little bit in Parsha's bow, right, where where uh, Moshe Rabbeinu receives the first series of mitzvahs from Hashem. But it was, it, it made sense. Like it was more ritualistic. You're going to have a Seder. You're going to, you're, you're on the, you're on the eve of your of your eventual redemption, and there are certain foods that you're supposed to eat that are supposed to commemorate different dimensions of that redemption. But it was it all, all about it, it was, was all about what was happening. Kind of, it was all about it was about Pesach. No, yeah, it wasn't. It just it wasn't as dry. It was locked into the 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 this extraordinary narrative that they were experiencing. Not that that the not that the contours of your day to day life are just going to be be uh, bordered by by halachic imperative. And yeah, this week, this week that's exactly what we have. Yeah, so we go from the, the you know sort of the spiritual moment of the the Ten Commandments with the thunder and the lightning and the sound of the shofar and the smoke and and this like sound and light show basically, and and now we're in what seems like the just it's so it's dry it's like reading a, a legal textbook almost. Yeah, and it's it's almost without uh, without warning almost. Meaning we like right. What was the transition? Yeah, we go from from if you stop at Parshas Yisro, you absorb this idea that that religion is like the Ten Commandments, and it's these great these great umbrella overarching kinds of kinds of principles, these really great religious themes, and then you just you get really into the into the nitty gritty so quickly. So it is a shift. It does feel different. It doesn't feel like narrative anymore. It's just a litany of. Of different mitzvahs that were being given, and we are we're, we're in a very different place in terms of what the expectations are, and in terms of what we are now defining as being as being expressions of religious fulfillment. So, if I can frame it, because I, what I, here's what I was thinking about was where this word mishpat appears earlier in the Torah, right? The sense of like, I mean, what? How would you translate mishpatim? Ordinarily, I would say so. I would translate mishpat as justice. Are you thinking about Avraham's uh, in, uh, conversation with Hashem right before Sodom? Absolutely, I think that's the first one. absolutely. But it actually precedes that, right? So to to take us back, right? Hashem is going to destroy the city of Sodom, and Hashem says, "How could I do this without telling Avraham? Because he." teaches mishpat to his children oh right right and avram doesn't even yeah. have children at this point right um and then and then to to highlight god's point almost it's funny how god's right um the uh you know avram says to him he says how could the judge of all the world not 
do justice, right? Right. Hashofet kol aretz lo mishpat. Right. So the right that's you know presuming the translation is is justice, but right the, that the shofet of the whole land should do mishpat. Right. And there, and, and I guess this is the interesting thing that over there it is. It seems like um, striking and kind of almost like. A humanistic tone, right? You could tell this story to anybody of any faith or no faith, the story about how Abraham is speaking up and protesting to God. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, you see this written up as like, this is where the, the Jewish idea of of social protest and of uh, always seeking righteousness and even in the face of God himself and all these things. And it sounds like very dramatic and, and we can relate to it. It's not like uh, some obscure area of the law like uh shotness and avraham's like you gotta wear shotness you know it's like it's it's life and death it's like you shouldn't kill innocent people we can and all it, right it's it's sensible it's sensible it's reasonable it's the right. sort of thing that a show faith ought to be able to to uh give judgment on right and and yet now <laughs> it's sort of in contrast what was referred to as these kind of like broad principles of justice back in genesis is now like the laws of damages the laws of like you know you know if you got if you dig a pit and you you know you've got a you got to mark it off if you are building a a uh, you know whatever you know you're building something you make sure it doesn't fall down on people walls and and stuff like that if you you know packing uh, an ox i mean all these things are are um you know they go from sort of the abstract principle to the nitty gritty of running a society. Right. Well, well said, and I think that that is the that's really the tie that binds. I think you're making a really a really important point, which is that when we read this parsha, it's only different from some of the great ideals that we had previously, in that in that it's more specific. It's the specificity of it that is jarring or surprising it's not something that we would necessarily expect because we're we're thinking about about these great broad principles of the importance of honoring your parents and about how you can't steal uh if you if you appreciate the idea of not stealing and 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 the principle of of theft being wrong then that's going to become manifest in all kinds of more of more narrow specific minute kinds of ways over the course of our lives. And and those are the sorts of things that Parshas Mishpatim really, really draws out. It's that you can't just give, you can't give lip service to the ideal in broad strokes and then not abide by, by those exact same precepts in as narrow as those manifestations become over the course of daily living. Well, I think that's a very Jewish idea though. Uh, the, you know, uh, that's I mean, okay. The, I'll take absolutely. We'll, we'll take credit for that. That's absolutely, great. but I think it's I think it's unique. I think the idea that you're enmeshed in the law, this idea, you know, like like Rav Soloveitchik's book, halachic man, the idea that the halacha, right. that it's the striving to to keep the all the the minute details of all the laws that that ultimately illuminate a life with the the broad principles is is not something which is universally recognized at all. It's something which is very specific to Judaism and which I think is is really introduced here. Um, are there any specific uh, laws that are in this week's parsha that you find either particularly uh, inspiring or illuminating or, or counterintuitive? So you know, there's the idea of unloading a donkey, 
unloading a donkey. And specifically, it's interesting that the Torah points out that you are, or at least the, the scenario that's being given is that you'll see the the donkey of somebody that you that you detest or somebody that you don't get along with. So you see the donkey of uh, of your enemy, effectively, that's crouching beneath its burden. Will you will you uh, hold yourself back from from helping him? You should surely you should surely uh, help him remove the burden from upon the from upon the the donkey. And uh, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing to think about that this is how it's being this is how it's being framed that. Uh, first of all, this may be, may be uh, the source in the Torah for the idea of tsar balichayim, right? The importance of of uh, respecting animals and and ensuring that our animals aren't brought undue undue harm. Well, I was going to say is 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 the idea about being kind to the donkey in the sense that it's not the donkey's fault that it belongs to this guy that you don't like. Right. I mean, that's what it's meaning, meaning that this is your, this is something that you need to do both for the sake of the donkey. And then also frankly, to help out your fellow friend and you can't allow your, or, or not friend. Right. Meaning your fellow person, fellow Jew, and you can't allow your ill will towards him to sort of get in the way of that. And, uh, and, and it does speak to this idea of, of honor and justice, uh, not only in ways that are very specific, but in ways that are, I don't know if they're counterintuitive, but but ways that are really uncomfortable. Meaning that on the one hand, we want to give you know we want to give give lip service to to some of these great ideals of you know importance of of treating people with respect, treating animals with respect. But ooh, you know what? When push comes to a shove, yeah. But I really don't like you. <laughs> I really don't like you. You're you're the one who didn't invite me to the kiddish, and uh, and and we've been in a fight ever since. And and you didn't you know let me borrow your uh, lawnmower or whatever it is. And like now it's payback, or now it's my opportunity to to turn a cold shoulder. And sometimes it's specifically right when. When the when the lights are off and, and it's not up on stage and it's not an an opportunity for uh, for public accolades, it's just how are you going to operate in in your own life? Are you going to allow the ill will that you that you bear towards another person to really stand in the way of the principles that you claim are are important and stand at the core of your religious identity and who you are as a person? It's those kinds of small you know, narrow day-to-day interactions that really, that really test the true or really prove the true metal of the individual. So looking today when we don't have pack animals, does this apply if I see somebody that I don't like unloading their trunk with a, they've got a, a you know, a couple bags of groceries and maybe they're going to drop the bag of groceries and, and I, you know, I could say it's their fault. They shouldn't, they should not be so, uh, you know they're they're trying to do it in fewer trips than they really need to do it. So in. Yes, yes, in the sense that here's an opportunity to try to, and this is, and, and to some degree, this is how the 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 mitzvah is framed um, in terms of of trying to get over your hatred or animosity of another person, and that's always worthwhile. But in uh, in another capacity, the element of the tsar balichayim isn't obviously isn't there. Right, you don't why. you don't really need to go out of your way to ensure that the paper bag from. Trader Joe's doesn't actually get ripped because right or the, the car is, or the car uh, or the car or is the burdened car. or whatever. Yeah, no, I think that that's. I mean, I think that's a great example of of a law from this week's parsha that you chose because it it really speaks to the way that the halacha is. It's a law, it's a halacha, but it's also. I mean, it's it's so that one's really very fiercely ethical. It's not just about doing the right thing or not hurting other people, but it's really about working on yourself. Sure, exactly. They aren't all.
like that. Uh, no, not necessarily. But, not necessarily. But, but on the other hand, I mean, I guess even the stuff like, you know, I mean, the ox stuff, like making sure your ox doesn't gore somebody else. Look, it's, like always it's, true to, it's always true to some degree that when we take these to heart and we work on them, we become better people. Some, some, some of the mitzvahs are more overt in that regard. This is something that the Sefer HaChinuch spends a lot of time on. He'll often discuss that the reason for any given mitzvah is uh, his, his, his uh, repeated expression. It's, it's a common refrain throughout the Sefer HaChinuch, which is basically a, uh, it's a, uh, a treatment of, of all 613 mitzvahs. And he says... It really time- takes, takes off this week, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so he says time and time again, Achar... Uh, that the uh, that the heart right that the the inner emotions really follow the external outward activity and behavior. So that even if you're not initially feeling, meaning you can't wait necessarily for your heart to wake up and and to decide to act from a place of of genuine sincerity on the inside because it may never come. But the point is that you have to act in a certain manner, and by acting in that manner, that that is going to stir certain emotions in you and actually start to develop the person from the outside in, if not from the inside out. I mean, that's that's I guess the great contrast between you could say the moment of Sinai is the moment of inspiration, but I think we all know that even I mean we don't know about inspiration like that, but inspiration fades. Sure, absolutely. And and so what you're left with in <laughs> one week later is is not just you know if you feel if you feel inspired or remember this thing that inspired you but rather like you need to get past yourself you need to get past your ego you need to act in certain ways you need to be conscientious of the people around you and yeah and it's the daily not, grind yeah it's and do, it's doing all those things on the daily and 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 day to day and minute to minute because uh the 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 inspiration to be this 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 great person because of the great event and the great inspiration that you received is going to be by definition short lived all right. Well, with 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 that in mind, I hope everybody, uh, you know, uh, every day is is working on following the halacha and uh, and trying to not trying just to get... when this podcast is released, which many no. have likened to Sinai moments of inspiration it, it, itself. It's a great moment of inspiration. That's how I feel when we record. But anyway, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna shut it down now. The portion podcast is recorded in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, produced by Aaron Roller. Our theme music is "The Magid's Naked" by Simply Tzvat. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it any way you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, leave a review. We really appreciate it, and it helps. Follow the show on Facebook. We are sponsored by the Pravda Family Foundation. Have a good Shabbos, and remember, there is always more to learn.